Churches have split over the color of carpet that got laid. Oh, I just wanted the brown. Well, we all wanted purple. Well, they went with purple. So the brown people are like, let's go to the church down the road. You know, I can imagine the Apostle Paul would be like, you had carpet? I want to talk to you about the concept of living on assignment. Obviously, in terms of, you know, the concept of assignment is literally this. I believe that the Lord has a specific task for you to do during your time on earth by design. And then he's given you a certain set of skills to be able to execute on that. Before the foundation of the world, you were created. In fact, so you think your mother birthed you, and she did, but God made you way before. So this will freak some of y'all out. And inside of you, right back at that time, was a, a DNA, a natural gifting, a skill set. There, there are certain things that you're excellent at that other people aren't necessarily great at that was put inside of you by design. And so on a particular day, the day you were born, God called you forward. Because if it's not this, then it's all just luck and happenstance. And it can't be that. On the day you were born, the Lord said, we're going to have you. And, and then, of course, the first bunch of years of your life are trying to figure some things out. And then after that, it's trying to work out what he's put inside of you so that you can work out what he's got for you so you can go and do that thing. And as I read my Bible, I read about a whole bunch of men and women who had actually discovered what it is God wanted them to do, and they set about doing it. And, and very few of them got up and said, oh, I've just worked out what the Lord wants me to do. This will be easy. They were all a bunch of people that went, I don't think I can do this. I'm starting with fear and doubt. You've got to be kidding me. I'm going to die. Who are you anyway? And then some engaged it regardless, and some ran away. And in every single example of people that engaged their assignment and started to do something, there's a few criteria. They always changed culture. They were always generational. And they all needed the favor of heaven for it to come together. What do I mean by assignment? Let's look at some biblical examples. <clears throat> God says to Moses, go and get my people out of Egypt. And Moses goes, and the reason why he's pausing is because his first thought is, yeah, but they want to kill me there. I'm wanted on murder. That's why I left God. And then God says, yeah, but by the way, I want you to go back and get my people out. And then you can imagine Mo going, righto. And he takes three steps and God says, oh, Mo, it's also not going to work. Because I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. But let's go. And you know what happens. He goes back in, all the pestilence is really difficult. But ultimately, God gets what he wants. There's this little boy called Joseph. And there's an assignment on Joseph's life that's given to him as a dream as a young boy. 
And then people say, well, he run his mouth too young and he got himself in trouble. Nope, all by design. <laughs> Taken by his brothers, thrown in a pit. Actually, let's not throw him in a pit. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites took him to town. Then he goes to Potiphar. She's like got some keen eye on this fella, makes up a story, goes to prison. Goes to prison for a bunch of years, tries to organize his own jailbreak by saying to the whatever, the cupbearer, remember me today. He couldn't be bothered, so he forgets him. And then ultimately on the appointed time, he gets pulled out and then he's in service of the king and then all of a sudden he is downloading and executing on the strategy that he was given as a young boy. And the reason why it had to happen that way is because there was a famine coming that was going to take everybody out and God needed somebody to download a strategy from heaven on how to get through the famine so that they didn't all get wiped out and die. And every single one of those hard luck stories that he has through his life took him geographically closer to where he needed to be. None of it was wasted. Now you might be thinking, like I did, why Joseph? There was 14 brothers. Well, only, only one other brother was born out of righteousness, and he was too young. All the rest were offspring of, you know, angry people and rapists and blah, blah, blah. They were, they were a mess. So you look at that assignment and you're like, he managed to execute on exactly what God said. And he, and he led those people through that, through that time. You know, I think about Esther. I mean, she was just greedy, right? Born beautiful, Scripture says. And still goes away for three more years to get more beautiful. I mean, that's, that's got to make you sick, hasn't it? Who's got time for that, right? <clears throat> It's interesting because it doesn't say about the other women in the Bible that they were born beautiful. So, anyway, separate conversation. So, um, so what happens to Esther? Well, you know, you know the story, right? She's got whatever uncle Mordecai that's kind of outside the camp. She gets called into the king's service, and then a decree gets made: kill all the Jews. And the king goes, "Yep, kill all the Jews." That's it. It's an edict from the king. And so she, God says to her, you know, I want you to make supplication to the king, who is her husband, and I want you to reverse the edict. Ask him to reverse the edict so that the Jews live. And, and she's like trembling. Because the most likely outcome is just cut her head off. Even though she's my wife, she's being annoying. Cut her head off. But of course... Just like Moses needed the favor of heaven on Pharaoh to let him leave, and just like Joseph needed the favor of heaven for somebody to remember him when he was down in the pit, Esther needed the favor of heaven to soften her husband's heart to say yes to reversing the edict. And she had to do her part, and God did the rest, and he says yes. And there wasn't a mass genocide of Jewish people, which is what was planned. Does that make sense? You know, I think about the Apostle Paul and what was the assignment on his life? It was to take the gospel to Jew, Gentile, and king, but ultimately to take it to the center of Rome. Because God knew that if the gospel made it to the center of the Roman Empire, it would undo all of their theology and then they would fall apart over time. And so here we are, Paul, this most amazing man, who history tells us was like five foot four. Who endured a rough ride 
to achieve the assignment. And you remember the story, right? He gets past, you know, he's like, goes to King Agrippa and then King, and he's like, I can't deal with this. Go to Felix. I can't deal with this. Go to Caesar. And they beat him and flogged him and stuff on the way through. Every single one of those times he could have said with his mouth, you can't touch me, I'm a Roman citizen, but he kept his mouth shut because the beatings took him closer to where he needed to go. And he finally takes the gospel to the center of the Babylonian empire, the modern Babylonian empire of Rome, and it just disintegrates them over the next however many years. Jesus comes to earth with an assignment. Reconcile man back to God. Executes on it perfectly. Fast forward 2013 years, and well, actually, let's go with 2004 years, and there's this young, angry, frustrated, bitter kid called Wes who cries out to the Lord and says, what do you want me to do with my life now? And some of you guys know the story. I was three weeks saved and I, and I sat back with the Lord one afternoon. It was like, an, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'd finished work for the day because we started really early. And I was reading my Bible out in the backyard and I literally slammed my Bible shut and said, Jesus, I don't know if I can do this with you because I've spotted the racket. This were my words at the time. I've spotted the racket. I said, I've seen what happens. I've been to church three times now and it's the same people sitting in the same seat, standing up at the same time, singing the same song, sitting down, nodding their head and then going for coffee. And I literally said to the Lord in that moment, if this is what it is, Lord, I can't do this anymore. And I literally said to the Lord, what the world has to offer is better if that's what Christianity is. I said, there needs to be some, there's got to be something on my life that means I contribute to this kingdom. Otherwise, I don't think I can stay. And that's when he slipped into my spirit, you'll run a training academy for Christian entrepreneurs. And you've got to remember, I already loved business. He was literally going to give me the desires of my heart. Hey, are you enjoying this episode? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe, like, comment, and share. It helps build the algorithm so that we can get this message out to more people. See, here's the thing. We don't have these fancy sponsors. It's me paying the bills to get this show to you. So do me a favor in return, would you? Subscribe, like, comment, and share. Let's get back to the show. So a bunch of years later, because I was like, far out, that's pretty heavy. I better go work out who you are. So I slipped that concept in my back pocket. I waited and waited and waited. And I told you the story about how I got frustrated in 2012, doubled my prices, more frustrated. Then I started Business Greenhouse in 2013. You know that story. So the assignment on my life is to do this. That's why so many people are like, far out, he's still doing those events? Yeah, because that's the assignment. And it hasn't been, it's not finished yet. It's, it, it, hasn't, it hasn't been done. That's why there'll be another one of these and 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 another one of these. They're freaking going to wheel me up one day. <laughs> they will literally wheel me up here and you guys will be on far out, we've got to hear from him again. Maybe for less time, I don't know. Like, but yeah. Yeah, like I'm, I'm the same jokes. <laughs> My jokes are like fine wine. They <coughs> leave them long enough and they go sour. No, no. Um, um, and, and so that's, that's the thing that I would love you to catch. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I'm just doing it. Does that make sense? I'm wrestling with my stuff 
as much as you are. I just feel like I didn't second guess it like a lot of people do. And then once I tasted what I thought the assignment was and I saw a grace on it, I was like, that's good enough for me. I'm all in. And it's taken many forms, right? We got events like this. We have training programs that we run, right? We have, the, we have the Kingdom Business Network for five minutes until COVID came and took that out. But we'll reinstate some form of that at some point, right? And then, you know, and then, you know, then we got the podcast and we got the YouTube. Like, I, I, like I just, I only have one gear and that is give it 100%. Yeah. I, I, <clears throat> it's just so much easier than second guessing whether I'm doing it right, right? It's, I just made a decision. Yep. Oh, but you could be doing other things. Yep. I'm doing this one. Until the day I die, I'm doing this one. That's it. So if that's next week, that'll be super weird that I die because you'll be able to replay it on he just said it and it's all weird and voodoo. So hopefully it's not next week because it won't be so weird. But this is what I'm doing until the day I die in some form. It, it won't be the only thing I do, but it's going to be something that I do for the rest of time. Or unless the Lord says to me, no, we've got rid of corruption in the marketplace and the world's become utopia, then I'll just stop. But until then, this is what I'll be doing, okay? Because that's the assignment on my life to do, and I've got to use all my gifts and talents and abilities to be able to go and execute on that. And I've got to get out of my comfort zone, and I've got to show up every day like I told you to be able to do for me to go and do this. So that's just one example. But there are many other examples of people in the modern world who are doing their assignment. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were wrestling with their assignment and they went and spent a day out in the bush. And they came back to me, I had a conversation with this fellow and he was alive. I've nailed it. I've nailed my assignment. I'm going to take the most vulnerable people in Australia who absolutely have no chance of getting a home and we're going to put a roof over their head. Bang, he's got his assignment. He'll do that for the rest of time. I know people that you know, during the concept of assignment, going back five years, this Wayne lady, she said to me, I've got no idea. I've got no idea what my assignment is. I said, that's not okay. It's not okay. You've got to go and figure out the thing that the Lord's got for you. Anyway, through, you know, th- through her searching, she came back to me one day. She said, I've got it. She was a South African lady. And she said, the Lord has asked me to help women of South African families that come to Australia assimilate and get alongside them in their vulnerable years because what typically happens with South African families is the man comes to Australia and starts 19 businesses because that's just how they're wired, right? The kids go off to their snotty private school because they're South African, right? And the wife, well, she just cleans the house. That's typically what happens in that transition. She said, but I don't even know where to start. I said, well, it's really simple. Do you know one of these South African ladies? Oh, yes. I said, do you know how to make a cup of tea? Yes. Welcome to ministry. (laughs) Ring her up, get her over to your house, make a cup of tea, listen to her stories. Is that it? That's it. Comes back. I see her like two weeks later. She's flipping, walking on clouds. She literally feels like she put a dent in the kingdom of God that day. She's like, I had tea with this lady. It went for three and a half hours. All I heard was her stories. She left really, really happy. I, le- I felt like I was doing God's work. Because you were. She said, what do I do next? I said, well, another one? <laughs> L- literally. And, and, then, and then anyway, this thing got out of hand. And she was running like high teas with like, 30 of these women should get alongside them in their most vulnerable moments and ministering to them and loving on them and pointing them back to Jesus and all these kind of things. It's living on assignment. 
This woman ran a printing business. But she used the business to fund hiring venues and organizing teas so she'd get alongside a bunch of people. I know people that have built businesses for the sake of pooling their money so that they can fund a political campaign to get a kingdom-orientated person in, um, in a party and elected so that they can bring influence and change to a community. See, it's not all about the poor and vulnerable, though that's a great place to start. It's also about like whatever the Lord's put on your heart. There's a business in Victoria where this guy catches this concept of assignment and he's like, well, he's a mechanic and he's like, I hire all these young kids and they're dead set broken because hardly any of them had fathers and the ones they did have were never there and the ones that were there never taught them anything. And it broke this guy when he spent time away from the tools and just one-on-one with the guys he employed. It would break him because they were just so troubled. And he grew up in this beautiful Christian home and he's like, you know what? That's my assignment. I'm going to father these kids that never got a father and I'm going to fund it. So what? this was no crazy big deal. He's like, once a month, we're going to, I'm going to go and buy a crappy car. I'm going to roll it into the workshop. Once a month, I'm going to put on some pizza and some drink and we're just going to, we're just going to build this car and restore it together. I'm going to father them, love on them, train them, all that sort of stuff. I'll, I'll fund it all. And then at the end of time, we'll all select a charity. We'll sell this car and whatever we get, we'll all take it down there and go give it. What do you think happened to the boys in the workshop? I mean, they're not the kind of mushy people that'll be like, oh, boss, it's so beautiful. But what they do is they, one just hangs out that night when everybody's gone home, right? These are young kids, so let's say Jet stays behind. <laughs> and then this guy, hey, hey, Jet, hey, and this is what he, he was looking for those moments. Hey, well, oh, I just don't want to go home tonight. Why? Uh, whatever, you know, crap at home or whatever. Hey, let me walk you through that. You know what I mean? See, we all think assignment and we think, oh, okay, it needs to be like the size of YWAM by Friday. (laughs) Has anybody read the book, Is That Really You, God? See, you can't read that book and stay small. Is it really you, God? Lauren Cunningham. See, we look at YWAM today and we go far out. That's one of the most, you know, mostly recognized global ministries for evangelism and outreach. Yeah, do you know how it started? It started with three dudes around a campfire and a guitar. The kingdom business movement started with 28 people in a room in the cheapest hall I could hire in Narang. That event cost me 450 bucks to put on. I wish that's all it cost today. (laughs) I think for so many of you, this is not a new concept. But I do wonder why I have to keep bringing it up. If you were there last night at church, I basically tried to get you to take this faith walk so seriously that it's never ever about you and 
You have to just keep your eyes on Jesus and nothing else. I don't think you can keep your eyes on Jesus if you're not doing your assignment. I don't think you can say that you're sold out if you're not doing the thing he has for you. Actually, let, let me rephrase that to try and be more correct. You don't have to be doing your assignment. You have to be so actively pursuing it that you're open to it. That's your obligation. And I would also say to you that sometimes assignments come and go. So, you know, I, I don't want to play down anybody's assignment. Your assignment for the next 12 years could be stay-at-home parent raising children and creating ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Fantastic. Now take that worldview and spread it to the other parents that are stay-at-home parents and go and get around them and let it rub off on them. I'm not saying everything needs to be some sort of superstar ministry. I'm saying the assignment is the assignment and it's from God. But you just need to work out what it is and not play small. So one of the things that I am going to be doing over the next few months is I'm going to be compiling a page on the Kingdom Business website that is titled fruit and I'm going to showcase as many people as I possibly can who are using their business to fund their assignment and I'm going to I want to build the world's longest web page I want people to start scrolling and get so enthralled that they can't stop for three days I want to have one place where people can go to to be inspired when they're having a rough time, where they just go to the fruit page, roll down, and story after story after story after story of people that have decided to go all in, all out, and chase after everything and live selflessly in such a way that they are deciding to use their time and talents, money and resources to benefit another person over themselves. That's what I want to do. And so, you know, there's a bunch of stories. I just told you a couple, but there's a bunch of stories today. But I want, I need more. One of my real motivations for doing this is because I want the news media or I want people that are critical of the faith to see actual faith in action. I want them to, I want to be able to point them to a library of actual people that are living, self, living out the gospel that they sit and listen to every Sunday in a practical way, in an unapologetic, undeniable way. And I want to showcase it all in one place so that there's no doubt that some Christians actually do what they've been hearing about every week. Does that make sense? But the whole thing falls over if you don't do your assignment. And I'll reiterate something to you because so many of you try and overcomplicate this. If I was to put into um, Apple Maps, if I said, hey, Siri, take me to the Gold Coast, Siri would say, and then it would chart the course. If Siri says, Drive 300 meters and turn right at this set of lights. But I drive 300 meters and turn left at these lights. Does Siri say, oh, you flaming idiot. I told you to flame and turn right, you loser. You're such a loser. You should have gone right, not left, you loser. No, what does Siri do? Recalculate. If Siri can do that, so can God. 
So when it comes to assignment, don't overthink it. One step. One step. One more step. One more step. By this point, it's addictive because you've seen the grace of God and the miracles and people come alive around you. And now you can't stop. But here's what I would say to you. God's had 8 billion practices before we ever turned up on earth. Right? It's not his first rodeo to try and get you to do something. Right? He'll just recalculate. He knows how to play chess with 8 billion people. So you start doing this thing, but he wants you over here. This will be like not as much grace on it, but this will have a bit of a grace on it. And this, and then you'll go over here and this will be, and then you'll be exactly where he needs you. Let him get you there on the journey. Instead of overthinking, oh, I don't know whether this is going to work. Oh, I don't know. Just get started. You could be 180 degrees wrong in the direction and he'll get you over there if that's what he wants to do. But you can't not start. So you've got to go figure that stuff out. That bit I can't do for you. I can, I can paint the picture, or I can hang the vision, but you've got to be the one that goes and gets the carpet time and says, I'm not stopping praying until you show me what it is you want me to do. That bit's on you. I can't do that bit for you. But let me tell you this one thing. I'll say that six more times, so don't worry. That was a lie. Your faith can't make full sense unless you do your assignment. There'll be something missing. There'll be something wanting until you figure out what that thing is and get engaged in it. At the point where you work out what he's got for you and you get active in it, all those Sunday sermons start to make a whole lot more sense and all that knowledge that's been deposited inside of you becomes really real because you need it. And as somebody who's a little bit further down the journey than most, not someone who's nailing it and getting it right, I can tell you that because I engaged my assignment, so much of the things that we celebrate in the church don't matter or so much of the things that we get upset about and caught up about don't matter. See, when I go to church on Sunday and I don't get anything from the sermon, I don't care. Because I don't get fed on Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning. I get fed throughout the rest of the week. When I go to church and, and, you know, and, and they didn't play the songs that I really like, I don't care. I was worshipping before I went to church. I'll probably be worshipping on the way home via coffee shop. <laughs> That's not the only time I get to worship in a week. You know, when, when I, when, you know, like I've, I've seen the worst of it. I'm like, churches have split over the colour of carpet that got laid. Oh, I just wanted the brown. Well, we all wanted purple. Well, they went with purple. So the brown people are like, let's go to the church down the road. You know, I can imagine the Apostle Paul would be like, you had carpet? I was on my knees in gravel praying. Once you engage that assignment, Sunday just becomes the most wonderful time to link arms with friends, corporate worship, catch up, you know, and, and, and press into the things of the church. 
But let me say, Sunday doesn't define my faith. The assignment does. And it's the assignment that comes under attack. And like I said last night, I believe that if you're in your assignment and you're getting attacked, some people will say that's because God's not in it. I think if you're getting attacked, it's exactly where you should be. Because if you're not getting attacked, it's because the enemy's not threatened by you. And see, the enemy—the enemy's not that bothered about your salvation, right? Once you get saved, he'll let you—he'll kind of leave your salvation alone. The enemy just wants to make you ineffective once you become a committed believer, which is the opposite of doing your assignment. So all I'm really asking you to do is take the concept seriously that you'll go home and work out, okay, what's God got for me right now and then go and start it without overthinking it. And it's going to cost you time and it's going to use your talents and it's going to cost you some money. And the Lord will prosper you as you go.